This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 197, Prophecy of Kang's Introduction Finale. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. That's like a, that would be what our fried chicken restaurant would be. Prophecy of Kang's. Welcome to Prophecy of Kang's. You want pickle on your sandwich or you go without? (laughs) That's the the first question. That's the first question. You want a pickle on your sandwich or without? We're very aware at our, we're the only fried chicken restaurant that is aware that not everybody likes the pickles on them. Yeah, really, that is the only. That's the one, that's the untapped market is is recognition that not everybody likes pickles. I'm not really, I, I'm not really a big pickle person on a regular sandwich, mm-hmm. unless you pitch me on a sort of pickle forward sandwich uh-huh, where uh-huh. everything kind of has a pic- sort of pickle. But if it's just like here's a regular sandwich and we put pickles on it, I'm like, well, that's yeah. to me, that's a pickle sandwich a side of regular sandwich. Is that what a cubano? Is? Oh my god, cubano is my favorite sandwich. Okay. Favorite See, sandwich type. Uh, well, first off. Okay. Go to ahead. return to the pickle conversation, no. hate pickles would rather die. Murder me. Oh, you sleep. don't like pickles? I hate pickles so much. You please. hate pickles. Yeah, I huh. hate them. I like other pickled things, but I don't like pickles. Um, favorite sandwich. I mean, like, it's really hard to just top a really good grilled cheese. Although, the times I get most jazz are when you're just making, like, kind of your standard sandwich. Just like, oh, yeah, some deli meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little yeah. bit of red onion and lettuce. And then you break out the panini press, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, perfect sandwich. Paninis. Yeah, I've actually known that about you—that you're a big panini guy. Yeah, you like your paninis. Um, yeah, I mean, I like I like a good pressed sandwich. Mm-hmm. Totally, mm-hmm. totally, mm-hmm. totally, mm-hmm. totally. Mm-hmm. A good melt. You know, <laughs> give me a melt. I'll take a melt. There's a restaurant where Hunter and I are from, uh, and it's the greatest restaurant that exists, and it's just a grilled cheese restaurant, and it's not what you're thinking. I don't like it anymore, Matt. Well, I actually gotta tell you house. that. It, get out! I, I get out! It it, it uh, these last two times I ate there, I don't know what happened, but it just feels like the quality of the food has dropped. It's interesting when you're so wrong. Uh, I don't know what to do with it. I, I think it's like that. I think it's the cheese. I don't think the cheese is very good or something. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I'm just as disappointed as you are. Like, I'm the one eating it and being like, "Oh, this is, this isn't as good as I remember." Well, it's it called it's called Ham and Trees, and if you're ever in Fayetteville, Arkansas, go get it. Uh, we're now advertised. We're now we're now sponsored by Ham and Trees. Yeah, that'd be cool. They should give us money. They that'd give be us money. that'd be great. I'd love. I would love to, uh, you know try and sell food yeah. with this show that would be because great. obviously local food i would like a show that gets to sell local food for like any random market like mm-hmm. just like oh yeah uh with stock if you're in stockholm sweden <laughs> go go try <laughs> fitzyberg <laughs> <laughs> oh matt uh insulting the swedes again uh how dare you uh it's a meatball place uh but no, I like that. Yeah, sure. Like, let's just advertise uh, small restaurants in, yeah. in places that if we go. If you are a local-only restaurant, single restaurant, or a small restaurant chain, actually, I would go, I would advertise for Slim Chickens. 
Oh yeah, I like slim chickens. I will advertise. I will. I will really shell out for for. Sometimes slim chickens, slim chickens makes uh, my tummy hurt. Um, Don't care because I love it so yeah, much. Yeah, good hurt. Here's mm. here's how here's what how a yummy hurt. Here's how slim chickens feeds you. They're like here's fried chicken, here's French fries. Yeah. Okay, pretty standard now. Also, here's Texas toast. And every time the te- I look at the toast and I'm just like, wow, this is that. so indulgent. No, yeah. I eat it. Well, I love it. I, no, I know. I I, and, I can't believe it. What's better than that is okay. There's the, so you a lot of people don't know what we're talking about, and we're going we're going a little long in the intro that today. That's well, fine. you should cut it. I won't because uh, I love talking about slim chickens. Here's the thing about slim chickens. Uh, it's like a local thing. For some reason, it's in England. If you're in England, keep an eye out for slim chickens. There's a couple over there. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're, they've gone big. Uh, but there's there's all this talk right now of the fried chicken sandwich wars. Mm-hmm. And the problem is there's only one place. Is that talk right now or is that talk from like a year or two ago? No, people still do it. There's still other like Burger King's trying to get in the game. And everyone's oh, okay, like, is okay. Burger King the winner? No, it's Slim Chickens because Slim Chickens is the only place that will slather your fried chicken sandwich yep, right. in mango habanero sauce. Right, right. So I'm sorry. That's it. That's the game. Yeah. We yeah, won. and it's mango habanero. It's just like they picked yeah. that. It's like having. I mean, you can do it in any other sauces, and they have like twelve, and it's just yes. Of... I mean, but slathering but you did it, it in mango habanero, slathering it in mango habanero for your chicken sandwich is kind of like the equivalent of uh, having imperial on round four, and then playing political stability into round five, and there's no sabo. Yeah, like j- just to get it back into our normal sure. brand there a little bit. Thank you for that wonderful transition. Man, I'm so hungry now. And I, know, I hate you. I... And we're, we just started <laughs> recording and we have so much to do today and you just made me so hungry. Let's get into it. Let's do some cabal. Screw you. Let's do some cabal errata. Uh I feel weird about cabal errata because it's it's that 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 guy took took a part of my soul with it. Um but uh here's one from Gekipop. I would probably pick uh, first pick trade as Cabal. You can offer to refresh someone for free for taking construction. As long as even one other player accepts an X minus one from you, you can take Mechatol. Uh, we're going to get into that in just a second. Are you really seeing the entire table freeze out trading with Cabal uh, that hard that you can't uh, get a single trade good out of trade? A um, couple things to this. I, 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 I see the point. Of like, hey, we talked a lot about like, hey, that custodian's guac is like kind of critical to your success. And we even, we even saw this in a recent game where when you have the speaker token, round mm-hmm. one is Cabal, mm-hmm. you're actually in kind of a terrible position. Sure. Because. Well, unless you pick trade and all these things that was just described happen. <laughs> just go perfectly for What you? if all those things happen, Sure. I, you know what I will say, though? I, I would almost say that that is a better option to have on the table than anything else I would take round one. Sure. as the speaker because yeah. what i want is politics and i want the speaker token next round and I, right. i'm no longer getting that right so to that end i will kind of go with Gekapop here and say yeah yeah okay i get three trade goods from trade and then i need to do an x minus one because i'll, I'll my, my two commodities i'll turn into three trade goods and that's six trade goods and then i'll just take mechatol yeah but I also and, and and then we're talking about okay well the the problem what can happen and what happened in a recent game was nobody took construction oh no okay we're gonna offer construction a free refresh it is questionable whether or not construction cares about that the part the person who might take construction is questionable if they care about a free refresh I would not argue that a free refresh is worth taking a strategy card you don't want mm-hmm. and well this is I think this is or wait. 
Oh no! This that is what is being suggested. Yeah. Is you say free refresh and then they take you for them to take construction and probably time it out for you in a decent way. Although that you can't really get stalled out by it. No, nah, not if you took well. If you it, took no, trade, if you you're took after trade. construction. You're not going to get stalled. You're going to be yeah, okay. That's true. But yeah, in yeah. general, are you really seeing the entire table freeze out trading with Cabal that hard that you can't get a single trade good out of trade? Sometimes, yeah. Unfortunately, well, <laughs> people I mean, really in- hate Cabal. I can't express this enough. Maybe your meta doesn't, and then you can get away with stuff, and you should lean into those things. But, man, people hate Cabal. We watch, I again, there's a the game, uh, I don't even know what game, game 34 of the tournament. Uh, go watch that to see what happens to Cabal uh, when everyone just decides they don't like you. Right. Or it's just like, I don't know, I mean, it, it's it's not that hard to count to six, so I think I think the problem is that you're making it sound like, oh, the entire table is going to have to work so hard to make sure you don't get this one right. trade good. It, it, you you might not get a trade ship to the person who can get you three trade goods. Yeah. You might. Oh, and, and even on top of that, the only other kickback I give to this is we're going to spend all six of our trade goods on custodians. That does feel like maybe a bit too much. No, not to me. Yeah. I think that's You'll do anything great. for custodians these days. I'll do anything for yeah. custodians. But I don't know. That's, I mean, we're getting no plastic this round. I wouldn't, <clears throat> I just wouldn't let, I, I wouldn't want this to happen. I wouldn't let it happen. Right. I, I, wouldn't I, lo- I would team up with some other, get... yeah, as, as as the other players at the table, I would see that Cabal is going for Mechatol round one, and I'd be like, well, we got to stop that. Well, and it's it's funny, because this is, I, I would say this is in a type of errata that we get all the time, and I think there is like a fundamental philosophical difference that happens with this, where somebody's like, well, shouldn't you guys recommend you do something maybe sort of far-fetched that has a high payoff? And I think what me and you try and do with the show is suggest people um, conservative yeah. strategies that are easily repeatable right more reliable and this is this is not easily repeatable i mean even in this person's errata they're saying that you're gonna have to get an extra trade good somewhere right um and it's not so much you know one extra trade good doesn't sound that big of a deal but your sixth trade good on round one is something that people do tend to notice that they're paying attention. Oh, but they don't pay attention in my meta. Well, then it doesn't matter. Right. Like, I mean, if you play with a bunch of people that aren't really paying attention, then then you then ignore yeah. that part. The, you know? the funny thing with this is the idea that if we took trade and we're wanting to do all of this, we needed to free refresh construction. Uh, the only way to actually make it worthwhile for construction, generally speaking, now this isn't always true because industrial planets exist and can get people commodities, but generally speaking... You need to also refresh somebody else so that construction can can trade with somebody. Constructions, the person who took constructions commodities are worthless to them until they find someone to also trade with. So really mm-hmm. what you're saying is you need to free refresh construction and one of their neighbors, your cabal, so you want to refresh somebody for the carrier or dreadnought off your agent. Sure. And you're going to refresh the person who's going to X minus 1 you. So we're doing three we're doing four re- refreshes by default. Mm-hmm. And only trading with one person off of trade. Yeah. That feels a little rough to me. We got value in maybe different areas. Get, maybe you get like a, a lucky explorer and you get some extra commodities or yeah. something. And you find uh, an I extra will, trade partner. I will ho, ho, ho sure. on top of a little, this, I a guess, little bit a little of that. bit. Yeah. Um, Anyways, I, I, I do not want to call Gekipop wrong here because I don't, I don't think they are, but I think it is uh, situational. There are times where that'll be the play. 
and certain groups that that'll be the play. But I mean, I, I would it's say it's not a thing I'm going to reliably do. I would say if 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 I was playing with Geki Pop and uh, they told me that oh this is my plan this is what I'm going to do I would be like well let's get we will way. we can easily stop that <laughs> right right that does not sound hard to thwart. Uh, next up is one from Robofish. Uh, the one possible strategy I think was left out of the guide was grabbing units and not giving them back. This is generally not great until you have the whole set in particular of a type of unit. Uh, but at times, this can be devastating. Uh, and you, th this is all a wonderful point by Robofish. We did not talk about holding units because I don't think it's a very good strategy for all the reasons Robofish just said, which is it has no impact on anyone until you hit their maximum value of those units. You've sure. cost them nothing until that's the one they needed to build. And even in then, the difference between a fifth dreadnought and the fourth dreadnought only matters to the person with that secret objective. Sure. So, like, yes, keep an eye on the person with that secret objective and try to prevent them maybe from scoring that point. Sometimes. But you have to figure it out. That, you got to figure it out. Um, honestly, too, that's the one I keep an eye out for because by that point in the game, you've generally you probably have gotten enough different dreadnoughts from different people that like you've got dreadnought two and you have all five of your dreadnoughts on the board and you will just have dreadnoughts sitting on your sheet. With no way to use them. Totally. So keep the ones that you don't want to spend, keep an eye on people who look like they're building a lot of dreads and try to block that fifth dread. Yes, do that. It shouldn't be a focus of your strategy, and it's definitely never a focus of your strategy ever to hoard people's plastic, because that plastic is your value. That that plastic costs you time and effort to get, whether it be through your agent, vortex, or the attack where you got that plastic. All of that is expended energy to get that plastic and to not use it is more costly to you than it is to the player you are affecting. Uh, absolutely wouldn't use this on destroyers or cruisers. They have eight. They're gonna. They don't care. Yeah, right. They're this never. Is, this is only useful for. Actually, the we didn't include all every single thing Robofish said, but yeah, the one thing that got called out that I think is valid. Uh, well, it's it's not just valid. It's just like, oh my god, this would be so horrible for them. But obviously, if you take Nomad's flagship away, yep. that's really sad. Yeah, them uh, not having their flagship is more value than you building your flagship. Muat's second war son. Is we've a big seen. Deal. We've we seen didn't. That we didn't talk a ton about Muat in general, and and we could have, and and maybe should have, and I think it's worth talking about here. There is a weird dance that you and Muat do though, because it's you can take that war son. Even off of like Vortex, if Muat is crazy enough to park their War Sun next to your space your dock space while you have dock, Vortex, yeah. that's trouble for them. Sure. But then it's do you hold it and keep it from them and make them mad so that they point their other War Sun at you? Generally, yeah. is what's going to happen. Or you you usually need to actually play ball and work nice with them and use it for the research. Or what I've also seen suggested is take take the half word approach, which is like, all right, I'm going to extort you a little, which is to say, get me fires of the Gashly. So mm -hmm. that I can research for free. Right. And then I will spend your war son for my war son. Okay. And wow. that, I, I can, it's. You get a lot of aggressive points. You, you need to pay, you need to pay Muat for that service. You got, you stole their war son. You are holding them over the barrel, but you should pay them for fires of the gaslight. Basically, is what I you're think. Doing there's a here. chance you could, like what you just described, makes them too could, mad. Could do, could you could get into mad there, and they have, <laughs> they have that hero. Yeah. Realistically, know. the safest bet is to just get it to research war suns because you can afford war suns. Resources aren't a problem for you, and and you That's can true. you'll 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 build all of your other plastic for off free. of free stuff, and yeah. then you'll just build a war sun. And then yeah, d d all, all you're spending is the cost of the war sun. Yeah. yeah, I would say I think I, I think overall this strategy is 
uh, two mana doesn't get you enough yeah. is the problem. Right. Even You're holding that- on to an expensive unit. I right. Mean, Nomad is like the only one I look at and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Do it to them. I just feel like, though, even in Nomad's case, um, because of the cavalry, which is such a great promissory note, especially if I'm Nomad and I'm just right. giving it out frivolously. Right. I feel like you're definitely going to see retaliation in a way that I don't know how much it's worth it, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, if you can do it in like a round four or five scenario. Yeah. I also think if you have the type of uh, group that does uh, super aggressive plays all the time, uh, then I think you could totally get away with this without incurring much yeah, heat. Yeah, if your players don't overreact to aggressive maneuvers, because we see that in TCS plenty where someone's just like, you did a slightly mean thing to me. Right. Ah! And like your whole game is shot because they just like went off the deep end. But right. there's plenty of groups where like, oh, you did an aggressive thing? All right, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay that back in kind at some point in kind of like a equivalent yeah, yeah, yeah. way, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw my whole game just to, right. to thwart the thing you did to me. Yeah, if you have an aggressive group, I think, I, I think, you could possibly get away with this, but I think right now Cabal has so much heat yeah. that the idea of playing super aggressive, I mean, to be clear, I don't think nice guy Cabal exists, yeah. but um, I think the whole like hoarding all of the pieces play, you can't hoard enough to make it work, right. in my opinion. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, the, if it, whatever units you're holding, they can build other units and still point those units at you. Mm-hmm. Is basically, the and idea. all they got to do is blockade your space. Stock. Right. They don't I mean, even, yeah, they'll get the stuff back pretty easily, actually. If it's their only goal, like if you're truly right destroying their game, then they're gonna have to figure that out. Yeah. You know. Right. Okay. Well, today we we finished. Cabal was our last introduction to the pok factions yeah we're done uh and realistically looking back at it we've kind of covered we've been doing like mechanics episodes you know like uh tech and component and component stuff are and really i feel like we've done all of the major prophecy of kings component stuff all that's left from here on out is like well let's go back over kind of just like all the action cards and agendas or the agendas yeah, and things like that where but but we're done with the stuff that's like very intrinsically uh was only introduced in uh, POK. We could talk about leaders, but I, I at this point, I have no idea what like a leaders episode will look like. Well, and that, also leaders get covered. Factions, yeah, exactly. Though, right? uh, th- that's that's when those get covered. Yeah. Um, I think like yeah, this is a kind of a, a housekeeping episode, an end of uh, an arc of the show episode. Yep. Um, we're also coming up on episode two hundred, so in general, we're kind of feeling like a sense of like let's take stock of the last like right. six months or whatever. I mean, it's been. This is how long it takes us right. to cover an expansion. That was fully. hilarious. I was like typing up the like tweets and the stuff to put in the show notes for the Cabal episode. And it was like, we finally finished the thing that anybody else who does this kind of content finished five months ago. Right, like everyone right. else did this in December and they burned them all out one at a time. And I have nothing. I, that, this is not a judgment call. I'm saying it's stupid that it takes us six to seven months to talk about seven factions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, I like how we do it. Yeah, and it, the the stuff the what we're trying to do for you is, uh, you know, it's it's we're reading all the components to you. We're giving that that really basic overview, but we're also giving you our gut analysis, which involves us saying like, I don't like this thing, or I yeah. do like this thing, and here's why, or what you know what I mean. Like, right. it's it because of that. Um, it's just a different type of thing, and yeah. I don't need to tell you that. You know, sure. you know what it sure, is. Sure. Um, well, let's let's go kind of just back through that. I mean, it's you know, this was not nearly as long of a 
project as like when we do 17 base faction guides which but, yeah that took us like oh my year. god how long did that take yeah, that it, took forever um and and both times it took forever both times <laughs> that's that's like the, the two first, big things well, what's, we've what's done. hilarious is the first time it didn't take forever and we don't like them yeah I, <laughs> so what we realized the first time was like no we have to actually make it take forever dude it's the we only finished, way we'll like it we finished uh the first seven the first round of 17 I think by episode 36, which is insane to me. And all of those episodes are worthless. (laughs) I would say don't... The show doesn't get good, I think, until around episode 100. And then it starts getting okay. I don't know. We just recently had our first good episode. (laughs) Right. We just had our first good episode. What I want to return to, and what I think we will... What we'll start getting back into is a lot more... um, There was a period after the first round strategy guides where we did a lot of fun beginner-centric episodes yes. that I would like to even revisit those topics, but more importantly, like, those kinds of topics. Things like the always and nevers of Twilight Imperium. Sure. And, like, how to develop your skills just playing the game. I, I'd like to do that kind of stuff. Because when anytime someone new asks about the show, there's, like, a list of, like, six episodes that I refer them to. And it's like, oh, wait, we should have more... <laughs> We should have more episodes that are good for for beginners. A new person to catch. I mean, on I think the, the introductions are good for beginners, yeah, but they are. yeah. Also, yeah. No, I think I think that's one thing you can expect. Um, once we get past uh, episode two hundred, yeah. is stuff like uh, revising those introductory episodes. Yeah, yeah another always and nevers. Yeah. Um, another learn to learn right. stuff like that. Totally. Um, so just just that stuff you can just recommend to your group. The real like utility yeah. kind of stuff. Um, I think we'll get more of that. I think we will randomly decide to do uh, episodes about base game factions again. Yes. Um, but it's I just don't think they'll ever look like... It's never going to be that I have to work on the guide for the thing. It'll be like, I'm really interested in Mentac right now. So I'm, yeah. I'm playing Mentac because I want to, and I played like three games back to back because I want to play Mentac a bunch right, right. now. Right, yeah. One thing... Yeah, that's one thing that I think we are going to try and cut out of our process completely which is the idea of i'm playing specifically a research game for this faction yep hey i think it kind of corrupts the process a little bit too i think it, it makes it harder to get a normal read um and what's nice is you know i i i don't feel quite as like as far away from it as i think you do uh-huh. um i i have like two or three factions in my head right now that I'm gonna start writing episodes for right. kind of just like in the background in the background yeah. um, and they'll be done when they're done you yeah. know what I mean like that's there, what I want there is no there is no schedule or whatever for them they will they will come out when they come out and yeah. it will be kind of about when it strikes our fancy type stuff and that that's not gonna be that sparse because we're both full-time now I mean we we play games we're gonna be playing a game and when the tournament's done like we might be playing two games a week i don't know i mean the, the, yeah the, we will have time to get games in and so that will grant us access to like yeah i mean i got to play like three games of muat within sure. like a month i'm i could talk about muat for a while sure yeah that yeah kind of thing um but let's uh let's talk about how we feel overall with uh with these uh seven yeah. episodes that we've we've done these introduction faction episodes right. i want to specifically just talk to go about. back over it um you did the Titans guide because at the time I don't know I was busy or something. Yeah, but you but <laughs> you should have weird. done the Titans. I should have done really. the Titans episode. I think the original plan was that we were both gonna kind of do all of them, and then we very very quickly realized that was impossible. Yeah, and so then essentially you were assigned 
Nomad, Empyrean, and Mahakt. And I was assigned Argent, NRA, and Cabal mm-hmm. from that point on. So yeah, how how do we feel? What's your favorite? What's your favorite guide that you'll the Empyrean guide? Yeah, yeah. The, and that, there's it's maybe the some worked. recency bias, but that's also even no, 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 from, no. even I, from my perspective watching Hunter, it's the only one where like every time he sat down, it was like I'm excited to dig back into this and learn more about them and try more things with them. Yeah, uh, the Empyrean guide was the one I worked the longest on. I started working on the Empyrean guide. Uh, on release right. the like one of the first games that i played after the game was officially released was an empyrean game and i started kind of getting basic ideas down um the nomad guide also i worked on for a, it was like there was a little period where i was playing um nomad and, and empyrean yeah. but then i realized titans had to get written so i only played titans for a little bit right. which is why the titans guide is kind of grumpy because <laughs> right. i did not really feel like doing it and i also feel like honestly like like for as weird as Titans is, um, I find more of the use of the introductory episode is just in the overview of the mechanics. Yes, I don't know that I really say anything that you know brilliant or whatever about how to um, incorporate all that stuff into your game in a meaningful way. And I actually feel like Titans for me, and I, I don't know. This is just like honestly what I think about Titans as a faction. So. Feel free to disagree with me, as I'm sure lots of people do. Um, I just find their game a little preordained. Yeah. It's too specific I what see you that, need to do. I see that repeated a lot, where it's... Uh, the Titans is the closest Twilight Imperium gets to, like, a little a little Euro game. Yes. You can spend your whole game just trying to build your little nest as Titans and never get out of that, and then the game ended... Like, we, we talked so much before all these introductions about, like, Titans are crazy. Oh my gosh, Titans are so good, and that was they like, are good. They are good, but also sometimes they don't they don't put they don't turn their head up and look at the rest of the table and and are not a part of the entanglement and like don't address things at the across the whole board, and so mm-hmm. then they just fall behind. I I I know that the the community has kind of turned on the idea of Titans being a very good faction um, when the game was releasing. We were talking them up, yeah, and people are, I think, kind of, uh, definitely unimpressed with their performance in the tournament. Right, they have um, underperformed. I in the don't tournament. know how important that is really for them overall. I think that the tournament has its own thing, yeah, uh, and then there's just playing the game in general. Um, what's weird about the the kind of reversal on Titans to me is that I still think if you just list all the things yeah. that they are good at they are good at so much right. that they should be doing uh, really good. And I think they are doing really good, just maybe not in the tournament. Yeah, they're a bad draft faction. And that's true. I mean, because that's true for Sar too. Sar's not doing very well in the tournament. Um, lots of good factions don't do well in the tournament because things like Empyrean get to look really good in the tournament because Empyrean is a pretty good faction. Right. And pretty good factions in the tournament through the draft, get to end up kind of all over the place. Sure. And a really good faction ends up in down with the slices. Yeah. Every That's time. That's true. That's true. And when you see really good factions end up in other slices, they win. They do well. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they do. They some. I mean, not that's not 100% true, but like that is the problem right now in the tournament. Titans don't have a good win rate because Titans are never in 
all the slices. Mm-hmm. Whereas Empyrean has been in like every single slice and one from multiple and like is doing great because right. they get to be flexible and they don't get heat. They don't get early heat. Titans and Sar and Cabal and Necro, they all get early heat. And that's a, that is a factor that matters. Like meta, that meta factor should be a calculation in right. how good a faction is. But when we're talking about it for the purposes of like a tier list and for guides, you talk about the mechanical bonuses. Sure. And when a faction is mechanically good, it is impossible to evaluate the meta worth of a faction. Yeah, that like changes. how much how much is the rest of the table going to react or maybe even overreact right. to just you being around with what you got. We we see games where Empyrean Nobody messes with them all game, and then they win. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if I played SAR and nobody looked at me or messed with me all game, guess what? I would win. <laughs> probably win, yeah. So I think with with uh, Titans and uh, with some other factions, even Cabal, uh, I would say this about, um, there is this certain, uh, I'm going to call it like a stomp factor, Yeah, which is that um, what I think motivated our early kind of like, oh, Titans is a really good uh, thing. And what? And we were not the only ones saying that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, although those people, of course, since they don't have a show, they can all just claim that they didn't <laughs> say it and that they always know everything. Nobody's on the record. No, nobody's on us. the record except for us, and that's why everybody gets to just dunk on us constantly. <laughs> and it feels great. Love you. Um, so the Titans thing is like when you lose to Titans or like when you lose to Cabal, it feels like a stomping it feels right. like, oh my God, they there was just no chance yep. to do anything about what they had set up right. whatsoever. And I think that I think that is the motivation. Also, like it helps that like the very first time I played Titans, this isn't this is important because like our whether we like it or not, our um, you know, always wrong perspective or always right, depending on what side of it. That's all. That's the only two opinions about our show. Where they're always wrong or always right. We can't just be people. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I don't know why I got. I'm like getting grumpy mid episode. Um, my first game with Titans, uh, I felt like I was like, well, this is complicated. I don't know how any of yeah. this works. Um, and then I almost won the game. Yeah. And, without even knowing what was going on. Right. 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 And uh, oh, that was the game where. Uh, uh, T.G. Welch was uh, robbed me, oh. and he did it so good. And every, every like, it, and it just really, really kind of stuck in my brain. And that kind of communicated two things to me, right? It was first that wow, Titans is a little complicated, yeah. but I almost won that game, and I didn't even feel like it did it right. right. And then the other thing was like, wow, NRA, yeah, pretty nuts. NRA. So let's get into that stuff. Let's get into some of my factions. NRA is the one where there has just been some crazy ups and downs with them. I know, uh, like, pre-release, I, I looked at NRA stuff, and I went, okay, they do cool exploration stuff, but that we don't inherently know if that wins games. Yeah. So my read on NRA was, they're, they're fine. They're going to be a fun faction, but they're not necessarily going to be a winner. Mm-hmm. And then the game came out, and they won every game I played. They yeah. won for, like, three weeks straight. I never saw any other faction win. I was like, okay, hang on. What is happening? They seemed sort of like how Empyrean is right now. Right. And I actually think that's what's happened with them, is that NRA started doing really well because they were in... I think there's... We need to maybe have some sort of term for, like, when your faction is, like, in the pocket yeah. of being not considered so good right. that people are trying to do stuff about yes. you and are worried about you... But you are good enough to where you're just going to sneak into that well, win over and over. Well, and that's what happened to the draft. In in 
test games for the prelims map, NRA was cleaning house. They were destroying. Yep. And everybody yep. saw that and went, well, okay, turns out we have to ban NRA in the draft. Right. And NRA got banned all the time. Right. And 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 then NRA, I don't even know how many games NRA has been in, but it's not that many. Right. Um, And I think their win rate is okay. But yeah, like you're saying, Empyrean has started to go crazy. It's all... And nobody's... It's because people need to ban them. And nobody's adjusting to it. Yep. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing that's so funny to me about the tournament is there's this kind of weird, like, kind of self-reflexive thing that happens with the data from the tournament yep. where people will kind of play with a consistent, um, like, lack of bias. Like, I feel right. like people are just like... Like, people are saying, oh, the map is, like, too too light on Empyrean, like the, the, the Empyrean's too good on this map and that it's somehow the map's fault. But from our perspective, it just looks like, well, Empyrean is winning a lot of games and then I'm still seeing a lot of games where people are taking it pretty easy on Empyrean. Empyrean is like one of the mo the easiest factions to punish right. if you wanted to punish right. them. But that's what nobody does. Nobody's basically. doing it. Nobody does that to Empyrean. Yeah, it's yeah. such a weird Like if you wanted factor. to eat Empyrean Slice, yeah. they have nothing. <laughs> they have no way to, besides just being like, but I can be nice to you. Yeah. And give, and we can, you, do you want to be my pack? Please just make friend? it okay. Yeah. Yeah. Besides that, besides the kind of trade considerations, if you just wanted to be mean and bully uh, Empyrean, they're not doing anything about that. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. But I, I still think uh, Nasroka is actually really, really good because oh, I think so too. Any faction with the ability to uh, manipulate currencies mm -hmm. is gonna is is better than other factions. Totally, because then you have a baked in ability to fix problems. Yep, and other factions won't have a way to fix that problem. So NRA, at the end of the day. I can turn relic fragments into command counters and I can solve my problems. Yep. And I'll be and I'll be fine. NRA at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I no, I hundred percent agree. And I think the ultimate uh Twilight Imperium factions that are like kind of in that pocket uh and do well consistently are the ones that are able to be like punchy people that make money. Yes. Like right. that's kind of uh, like you've you've got I feel like Hakan has kind of slid a little bit. Hakan is funny because nobody uh, wants to play against Hakan, so they get sure. banned by virtue of making games go long. Right, right. But we're but well, let's let's stay focused on just the expansion yes. factions. Who do we want to talk? Who do we want to talk? So about I want to talk about Argent because that's the other one. That's my that's my almost most recent guide before Cabal and Argent was so funny because I think beta testers and and pre-release people were like Argent seems solid. Argent is the one that seems like a base game faction. Yeah. They just got like they just kind of exist. But then you kind of look under the hood and you go, actually, that that commander is really good. Yeah, <laughs> that agent is pretty good. Actually, when when I think of better ways to use it, it's very mm -hmm. good. They're heroes, mm -hmm. whatever. But there's these little tools that all add up. Uh, and I remember there being people like on Reddit and stuff that had these hot takes where it's like, hey, I think Argent Flight is unstoppable. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, OK, I can't go that far, but. We are seeing Argent do very, very well in the tournament. And it somewhat is that Empyrean factor of like, oh, people aren't looking at you enough. But also, Argent doesn't have as much of that problem that Empyrean has, yeah, which, exactly is, what I was which is, I can't be punished as quickly. I don't have currency manipulation. I don't have a ton of tradables. But if I put myself out there, I am hard to thwart. Yeah, the our, it's the... the the second Strike Wing Alpha 2s come out yeah. in the mid game, it's like that unit is so the bang for buck on that unit is yeah. uh a little bit over the top. Uh and 
you know, they're strongly incentivized to go PDS2, Airy Hollow Lattice, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. These are all like super defensive They have abilities. a good synergy within their whole, eco- it's sort of like soul, which mm-hmm. it's like, hey, blue, green. And they're like, hey, red, yellow. Right. Just, uh, you're good to go. Good. All yep. done. Yeah. Um, and that efficiency on top of hyper defensiveness really does a lot for them on top of mobility. I mean, right. Right. It's, there's a lot. They have kind of everything. And so I get why people, I'll still say they overreact. But I, I completely understand the excitement and why you would overreact about what all those tools in the toolkit can do. Yeah. Especially depending on your meta. I mean, yeah. How did you feel about that episode as well? I uh, I liked it. It was, I, I think Argent and Cabal both are a little bit obvious mm-hmm. what's good and bad about them. Um, and so I, you know, the, the things I got excited about for them were with Argent, um, it was putting a stake in the ground on red yellow versus red green start and a stake in the ground on like when do you stop teching yeah and cabal's what i'm happy about with cabal is the decision to sort of hyper focus on centering your entire game around your space dock placement mm-hmm. and letting that be a guiding focus and and i like that because i think cabal is really easy to just like i don't know everything's kind of an option here and it's hard for a new pl- cabal is the only one where i feel like i got a proper approach that would be helpful to a new player i feel like mm-hmm. i feel like nra and argent i got in the weeds of like let me make sure i appease stads and patients and all the people who will who will judge me if i'm wrong I know you guys don't actually judge me that hard, but I want to impress you <laughs> with these guys. I always seek to impress you. Uh, and I think I got too much into that with those mm-hmm. two guys. Whereas Cabal, I was like, I'm not worried about what they say. I don't care. I, I want to make sure a new player can listen to this Cabal guide and get the point of what I'm saying. I feel like that second thing should always be our motivation. That should be. <laughs> it should be. And that's where I fell apart on some yeah. of these. On, on We these just guys. want the cool people to like us. I know. And, that's, and that is where I... Um, I have gotten in general, which is why I right now am excited to focus on factions. I just want to focus on because I don't have to worry about making sure I impress the really good players with me also having good ideas. Like I don't, I don't need to do all that. Uh, And I think it will make me write better stuff for new people, which is all I actually care about. Right. Or all I should care about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's I want to talk about nomad a little bit. Um, that was another one I did that uh, we haven't really said too much about yeah. it thus far, but um, I enjoyed it. Um, I, the writing of it was it's that that's like a fun that that would be like if we didn't have the show, I would probably spend a lot more time playing a faction like Nomad. But I always find if the faction clicks with me really fast and I'm like, oh, this is good, then I don't spend as much time right. playing it. It's kind of weird. On. Like yeah. like Empyrean felt like uh, like a puzzle to solve mm-hmm. because it started and a lot of people were like. Uh, like Empyrean doesn't seem so good, but there's a lot of cool ideas here. Yeah. Um, and then quickly, and I think all that was really from my perspective was like, maybe I didn't get it, but a lot of other, you know, smarter people did get it. Um, but Nomad, I just got right away. I was like, oh, this is so focused. Um, you've got a lot of different, uh, tools in the toolkit that are all really fun and the flagship hijinks are just great. Um, so I really enjoyed that one and it was easy to do. Now, my one little note about it is that there is a video on YouTube of me playing as Nomad, and I do win the game. However, <laughs> I messed up so many things in that game. I am astounded by how many things I <laughs> messed up The number of YouTube comments that are like, we get YouTube comments all the time where it's like, you messed this up, and you go look and you're like, 
No, I didn't. You didn't. Yeah, you don't I've, know. But either Nomad, I didn't mess it up, or it doesn't even whatever it is. It's like it was immediately corrected. Two but seconds dude, later. I like but won actual... that game <laughs> off like messing up something, and I don't know. Like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of a bummer. Maybe I should just take that video down. It. The only no, reason I don't fine. is because it's like kind of the only proper Nomad. It's the game only on the... yeah, and it's like. I really wanted us to have a lot more of that type of video on the YouTube. Yeah. Uh, however, the YouTube, I don't know if you noticed, but the tournament moved in and, <laughs> and just took over the YouTube. Yeah. So. Yeah. I keep, I feel bad because people keep kind of saying like, I want to see Matt's cabal game. I want to, I, mm-hmm. I, I keep seeing that kind of posted and it's like we, I did stream one cabal game, but it kind of doesn't, it's the one we did in person and all the other ones haven't really yeah. counted. And it's, and uh, maybe I've even streamed two, but none of them are on the YouTube. Right. And I don't know that any of them are going to get on the YouTube. I want to do one more. I still want to play Cabal. That's this. That's the first time that's ever happened. I oh, finished after, a guide and yeah. I'm like, I actually still have some things I want to try with yeah. this faction. So that's that's fun. I would like to play. Uh, Yeah. I would like to play with you where you're playing as Cabal and it's just like an incidental thing that happens. Yeah. So yeah. Like, oh, you ended up playing Cabal. Right. Uh, kind of deal but i don't want to go into it knowing like oh matt's gonna be playing cabal so i need to think about that before right. we even start well and it what stinks what's an, more annoying it's not just matt's playing cabal it's well i know i know i know he's working on the guide the same thing happens with with you as empyrean mm-hmm. was like hunter's working on empyrean right now like i don't want to i don't want to just intentionally get in the way of mm-hmm. his stuff yeah because i want him to be able to feel out all of the like tools in the toolkit yeah, and those those research games that we play, they all kind of take on that feeling of like let's say let's say I'm playing a game for a guide and my neighbor uh feels like now I play really defensive anyway, so sure. like the this type of stuff maybe doesn't come up that often, but let's say my neighbor feels like I think I want to try and eliminate Hunter. Right. And it feels like it's because of stuff happening with them they like see that if they eliminate me then i guess i could take some stuff away from that with the guide like i could i could it would have made me say stuff like oh that whatever faction it was like they're really kind of brittle you got to be careful yeah yeah um or thinking about how i got into that situation or whatever um but i want the serendipity of feeling like players can just decide to do whatever and it does not have right. a huge impact on the process i don't want people to know what i'm working on right basically right totally. i want that to be a mystery so it doesn't matter whatever you do to me in a game not a big deal yeah positive or negative it's all just me playing like a normal player exactly. would play. it's all part of the process yeah um okay we haven't <laughs> there's one thing we have not addressed so mm-hmm. far there's a there's a faction that oh has... yeah we haven't talked about mahawk at all <laughs> that's funny <laughs> Uh, I didn't even think about. I, I'm looking at the. <laughs> you have them thing so right out of your mind. So what's your? You hated it. I really did not like it. Uh, I don't. I didn't find them enjoyable to play, and I also did not. I think they are kind of a letdown in comparison to the other factions as far as how they work yep. mechanically. There's a lot of. For me, Mahakt has like some roads to nowhere. Yeah. In my opinion. Right. Um. There, and there's not a whole lot of that in the expansion factions. Yeah. Like I would say Void Watch is another kind of road to nowhere for me. Yeah. Where it's just kind of like, that's something you can do. I don't know that it it doesn't change everything. But right. with Mahawk, it's like Crimson Legionnaires, man. I, I I just don't know why. They're just kind of, to me, they're just kind of like whatever. And then the other faction all their faction tech, tech as well. Weird so and... all, all the faction tech is a little bit of kind of roads to nowhere for me. Um, so 
it was, uh, I don't know, gave me a headache working on it, worked on it probably too long. I probably shouldn't have even worked on it as long as I should have. I yeah. should have just accepted like, oh, this, this faction isn't that great for me. I did have an interesting experience with it though because at the same time, about the time I was uh, finishing uh, the guide, Ginger was advertising that Ginger was having some sort of mahawked uh, big piece uh, that was gonna come out. And I remember joking like, oh, I would love to see this before we do the episode. Uh, I don't think it ended up coming out before the episode, or at least if it did, I didn't actually catch up on it. If it, it, it came out maybe like literally once you had already basically written the Mohawk Guide, we had not recorded it yet, but it was like, why would you go back and read this thing now? No, that would change? just kill it me. Just, that yeah, would exactly. just kill me. Like, yeah, at once the ideas were down, the idea of reading somebody like Ginger's thoughts yeah. on it uh, would have just meant I, well, what I thought here's, well, that, yeah, I'm sort of sort of bearing the lead. So what I thought was, I bet Ginger doesn't agree at all. Ginger really likes this faction, it seems like. Right. Um, and I don't. However, then later, after we finished the episode, I went and read Ginger's piece, which you should read, by the way. I wish we had, the, I, I don't remember exactly what it's called, uh, but it was on Reddit. We could probably post it in yeah. the, uh, whenever we uh, do the episode channel for the, this Discord. Um, so we'll put that out there. Um, I think it's pretty good. However, there's a reason I think it's pretty good. I remember reading it and feeling like this isn't that dissimilar from right. my like the points were I think similar. Sorry, Ginger, if 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 you disagree, if you think I totally missed the mark. Well, you, you can both it. find the same thing. Like you can a faction is what the faction is, so it's right. easy to evaluate them the same. There's gonna be a lot of commonalities, uh, just because we're both writing about the same thing. So I found I was surprised by how similar it was. However, I felt our tones were completely different. Yeah. It felt like I was reading, <laughs> wow, this is like, this is pretty similar to the uh, episode I wrote, except the tone is, this is pretty cool. Whereas my tone was, this is not very cool and I don't like this very much. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's, I, I uh, our, Mahakt is sort of like how I think some people think we are about Arborek, um, where I don't think it's very... Like, I don't think Mahawk is very good, and also I don't want to play as Mahawk. Right. I don't think Arborek is very good. I love playing Arborek. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. There's a, there's <laughs> That's a the secret big to our there. Arborek hate is like, nah, it's, I, I don't ever play them, but right. I will. I'm going to. Like, I still think Arborek is the one faction I've literally never played ever. That's ever, so weird. Ever. That's so weird. Ever. You've never, ever, ever played as Yeah, Arborek. and a bunch of people who already uh, kind of don't like my takes just went oh so why have we ever listened to you talk about arborek ever <laughs> and you know what v valid that's fair yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean i'm trying to think if that's true for a long time i'd never played as joel nar right and I then i had a game i don't know if I've, i haven't played with them since plk have released. you ever played as clan of sar yes okay, okay. yeah okay. yeah yeah i'm and trying to think if there's any faction you've never played as but i can't think of one no i i've I am almost certain that I have definitely played every single faction. Yeah. I haven't played every single faction twice, though. Sure, sure. But I, I mean, think the only lot, faction... There's a lot I probably haven't played The only twice. faction I haven't played twice, I'm pretty sure, is Jolnar, though. Mm -hmm. Every faction has at least gotten more than one... Right. More than one play out of me. Well, uh, let's let's take a quick little breaky break, and we'll come back and we'll talk less faction-specific. I want to get general about Prophecy of Kings. Yeah. Welcome back. You should buy Oath. Go buy Oath. I know I just, you probably just listened to me say it. Go buy Oath uh, because it's, we just got our copy of Oath. We just got we our copy of literally just it's opened so it. It's so pretty. It's so pretty and it's I'm so crazy. excited to play it. I want to do streams and stuff with it. I want to do a lot of stuff with it. Oh my God. The art is so good. The box looks great. Um, You could just buy it. Yeah. Like, let's say you don't like it. Let's assume yeah. you're a listener and you're like, I already know that I don't really like Oath. 
yeah, but here's the thing. It looks great. Yeah. So just why not just on, have just it? Just put it on your shelf. There's a lot of games on your shelf you you don't play, huh? Yeah. There might even be games not, on your shelf you don't like. Not all those games directly support me. <laughs> <laughs> so you should go. You should just. You should just go buy OathleaderGames.com. Was, was that a double ad break? Was, Did we you, just barrage We finished an ad break, and then I continued the ad break for another 30 seconds. That's Let's funny. talk about what just more Prophecy of Kings things. There's a thing here that kind of got actually squeezed out of our notes. But um, to go back to just the introductions at large, not, not into each one. Oh, okay. Uh, I think we both liked... And the thing we've been discovering more with POK than I think we did in base game is the the ability to identify a core tech path. Yeah. As opposed to what I feel like we were constantly doing, uh, a, a thing to to see this evidence is in the first round strategy barony episode. Yeah. Which is where the first time like my brain exploded and I was like, I have to do four different strategy guides in one because the tech paths are so different. And we were just obsessed with, like, identifying every valid tech path. Mm -hmm. And we tried to focus this time around on, like, well, let's get, let's figure out if there are any must-have techs. And then let's you go from that. You can do your own thing from there. We'll, right. we'll, we'll make light recommendations. But is there core tech that is yeah. required? I think there's always, um, with most factions, there are just a couple techs that always seem, um, it's not that, the idea of a core tech path to me um, isn't, that we're saying 100% out of all games every yeah. time you have to get this tech. Otherwise, you're bad and it's dumb and you're <laughs> dumb. It's more that with each, each faction, there always seems to be um, a couple tech that seem more relevant to you than they are uh, to maybe other yeah. factions. Right. Just something that's that's seems more suitable right. and flows a little easier um, than other stuff. So, And I think the great thing... That has a the great thing about POK that's allowed us to kind of shift our thinking into that is the de emphasis on tech objectives. Right now, that two and two color right. and two unit upgrades are not gospel that you have to have in every totally. single game. We can just sort of say, Hey, you know what? These three tech here, pretty good. Yep, guess what? Light wave, good again. It's always, always good. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Check back next week. Pretty sure, light wave, still a good tech. Yeah, that's true. I, I wasn't even, I, it's like I've almost forgotten about the days of. We had tech paths because with everything we did, we had to consider how do you make sure your tech choices get you two and two and two upgrades. Mm -hmm. And yeah, being freed from that has really changed a lot of how you can think about tech. What else have we learned? Uh, Lightwave, always rules, always good. But blue tech in general, I think there was a thought at one point pre-release that like, oh, what with the tech paths opening up, maybe there will be completely new... Maybe there will be a new dominant color. Maybe red's going to get awesome. AI dev is crazy mm -hmm. good. Is red the new way? No. Blue. Well, it's... There's uh, options. There are certainly more options than there ever were. But a lot of that's like, there are more combinations that are good with blue than just blue-green. Yeah, I think, I, I think that blue as a color got more points. And then some of the other colors got more points as well right it's only yellow that i feel like really got left out in a big way yeah um everybody else got a little something something uh but it's all a little more situational it just seems like still in the abstract blue is just kind of the default best tech path right uh or just color of tech to get because right. i don't know the fact that they also got like sling sling relay and det dt is not like a good tech but it is 
necessary benefit tech right. to get. Right. So, all right. And Sling Relay is really good. Yeah. Like, arguably, one of the best new techs. Right. If not the best new well, tech. Well, it's and, great. And the reality, the reason Blue Tech is so good is Blue Tech is focused on movement, which is weird because Sling Relay, I don't know why Sling Relay is a Blue Tech, basically, because it's, it's not a propulsion thing. Yeah, I mean. I it's, mean, it's, it's the ability to build a thing that's not unlocked. So, in that way, it's movement. I get it. But, anyways, the point here being. Blue tech is so good because opportunity is good. Yeah. And red tech does not inherently mean opportunity. Red tech is like generally like some sort of combat advantage or whatever. Yeah. Um, but blue tech is all about board advantage, light wave and gravity drive and sling relay and dark energy tap. Open up the amount of opportunities you get as you do things on the table. And that's how you win the game. I mean, you don't win the game by producing even more units than everybody else through a space dock too like that that's not going to do anything for you but you do win the game by sending carriers further with more stuff yeah yeah uh yeah i don't know i mean it's it's i i think unseating blue from that top spot would have probably taken more work than it's worth. Yeah. I definitely think we're in a better place as far as how open tech paths still feel. Um, I will say this, I think, um, and this is kind of uh, inserting a point where we're going to make later, but it feels hard to get around it. Fleet logistics, I feel like, has taken a slight hit in POK because of the maybe overemphasis, or I mean, I I think it's motivated by the game, so I guess it's not over. It just, this is how it seems to go now. Round five seems to be a lot about uh, stalling and yeah. who can stall the most, right, basically. Right. There is a little bit to, there's always at least probably one faction at the table that Fleet Logistics would do a lot for them because even though stalling is a big deal, there's still a lot of value to like, well, I take Mechatorex and then I pop Imperial immediately and you can't get in the way of that. I feel like those moments, though, are, are coming up less and definitely. less. In base game, it seemed like stuff like that happened all the time. Right. And I do not have an explanation for this. This is not a very smart point I'm making. I'm just telling you my gut. My gut check is telling me that Fleet Logistics used to, in base game, uh, feel a lot more clutch and lead to these really crazy plays that would end up winning someone the game. And now it just feels like, I don't know, it just feels like that doesn't happen as much. However, we still see like, I mean, there's so many games where it feels like all six players have light wave at the end, but fleet logistics (laughs) is not as emphasized, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I will say uh, doing the prelims map, and I've been working on the semis map a lot recently, and just map making in general has gotten way weirder. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Prophecy of Kings, that's a big thing that I've 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 had to learn, uh, and it's also I don't even think it's a thing we've solved yet, and maybe it's not solvable. Um, I know that that what I've the big thing I've learned is there's a lot of people that have things they expect from their slice, mm-hmm. and that is probably what tournament play will will begin to center around is like, well, I expect my slice to provide me this. And when you go against that expectation, it's like a crazy map. It's it it people don't people don't know how to interact with it. Basically, mm-hmm. like a map, sh- a slice should have six influence. That just feels like a thing. You know, the the prelims map more or less does that for everybody. Right. And that was because anytime I made any other adjustment on that prelims map, people always were like, "Oh, but they lost six influence, and that's gonna crush them. That's gonna ruin their hope. They'll, they'll never catch up." And it's like, oh, okay, well, if, if that's your vibe on it, okay. And it's and it feels like. 
the the very mathy people um, look at lack of command counters as a unstoppably bad thing to have happen to you. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that assessment, and I, and that's what makes map building so weird. Is the idea before it was like let me make sure everything could have less command counters, right? Actually, but I, I think, think I think the point is you have to do it like somewhat across the board. Like you you have to balance. Okay, here's here's how we've made maps in base game. Like let's make sure. Everything's just kind of even. Everybody's mm-hmm. got about the same resources and about the same influence. Or you can do like one. They have a bunch of resources, but they lack influence. They have a lot of influence. They're you know whatever. You can kind of do back and forth on it. But I think what we've learned in in Prophecy of Kings is resources just don't matter. Not a you whole find, lot. You no. find resources. You get trade goods. Trade goods are more plentiful than they were in base game. Yeah. So it so then you stop even balancing against resource value almost at all. And right. it becomes all about who has access to how much influence. Exactly how many command counters is this slice going to get yeah. every round. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's kind of where we're at. It feels like, yeah, resources, it's just like, I'll, oh, I'm in a slice with no resources. Well, whoopty doodle. Oh, well, like, I'll we'll, be fine. You'll fix it. Yeah. It'll be okay. I'm in a slice with no influence. Well, GG. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. I, I, don't know how I, to... I can't even do actions. I can't accomplish anything. That's right. not an option. It is not an option in twilight imperium to just have no influence right it, you will you will lose i mean not always obviously there's some crazy workarounds i've i've seen wild stuff happen but generally speaking game to game if you if you played 10 games where you had like two influence in your slice you're losing nine of those games yeah i think really what it comes down to is because there's so many um there's so many new tradable things and also the exploration cards yeah it might not seem like individually you know like oh i got two commodities from the exploration card right um it's all like little stuff like that but it ends up adding up to be a lot and now there's just more trade value in the air right um which means that you now have more um ability to get the plastic out because like how much plastic do you need to win a game anyways right You've only got five dreadnoughts. Yeah, I I used to always get called out for being kind of plastic poor. I still call you out. For you that. still do, and I still deserve it. But what I've noticed in this year's prelims, I see a lot of players where I'm even. I'm like, well, you guys are lacking in some plastic, and then they win anyways. It's yeah. like you you can get around being lax on plastic as long as you have enough in the right places. The rest doesn't doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's fair. I, yeah, I mean the enough in the right places is kind of the key, yeah. the key term there. Um, do we want to talk about uh, more about late game stalling? Why is that I, no, happening? I, what is I, that? I I think that's good, but I think it feeds into a point of um, of what the scoring tempo, how much scoring and tempo has has increased. Yeah, in POK at large. Yeah, you and need so, to score round one, huh? Yeah, you you kind of have to score round, or if if people are scoring round one, you also need to score round oh, one. Oh yeah, there yeah, are yeah, games totally. where it's like, okay, none of us are gonna do it. Great, great, great. We're all so on the same matter. footing. Yeah, but in in the games where you can look at the board and go, uh oh, they're gonna score round one. I need to find a way to make it happen. And that's the other big reason you see Diplo. I think taken more off. I mean, Diplo got a little bit better, kind of somewhat, but especially the the need to score round one. If there's somebody who's going to score like a non-economic objective round one, sure, and there's an an economic objective then out there, Diplo's going to get taken almost every time at, the, at this yeah, point because because pe- people go, I have to score. I don't care that I open up the opportunity for everybody because so and so is going to score three empty 
or whatever. Yeah, I'm not going to let just one person at this table score. If right. one person is scoring round one, I may as well try and open it up to where everyone can score. Right. And uh, nobody's ahead, just, and we just yeah. keep this entangled. Yeah, basically. I agree. I, I, I agree with that logic. I think that makes sense. I think uh, in the base game world, uh, there was more time to play, yep. and it felt a little bit like which is which was a bad thing by the way i think it's (laughs) funny when people bring this up almost like oh but the game's shorter now it's like well the game is still like yeah six to ten hours right still very long long, it's tighter now now it's and you know what what, it's Mm, mm, i mm, prefer mm, it mm. this way because before it was annoying how much emphasis there was on like don't score don't score don't score score everything all at once go 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 round five and six like get all your scoring but don't don't let anybody know that you might score right and what we're seeing more and more is in pok it's like Score them if you got them, buddy. You don't yeah. have time to mess around. Like, yeah. it's time to go. There's a couple things you'll hold on to, and there's ideas to, like, what you score when, like, why you might hold off on economic objectives and try to score other stuff first. But nobody is saying, like, don't score any of your secrets until round five and then try to score all of it. It's like, no, 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 no. More and more, it's just score them because we, it is a race. Yeah. Well, yeah, you just don't have uh, that many opportunities to make up for it if you don't get right. To, if something to there bad happens right to you and you've been stalling out, mm-hmm. you you won't make up for lost time. Yeah. So here's a little PSA I want to put out there. I just want to see this kind of start shifting. Um, is that so? You know, round five being the last round seems like something you can kind of count on as being that seems like a norm now. Yeah. And uh, so the the round before round five is round four. So four comes before five okay. by one. I think I follow. So what that means, let's say I'm a player and I'm playing in round four. It means that the next round is round five. Round five. That's round five. Round. Yes, got it. Okay. So this is my PSA. Okay. I just want people to be aware <laughs> of if you're in a game and it's round four, next the next round, round is round five. And yeah. That's actually the last round. Yeah. So let me... let's. Can let's... I, I'll, I'll go one step further. <laughs> Can I go one step further? Yeah. If you're in round three... <laughs> This you laugh. <laughs> this just came up in the game. If you're yeah. in round three and you're like, yeah. maybe I'm just gonna give somebody a lot. Double check that round four isn't actually round five. Yeah. Sometimes round four is round five. Three comes before four, and four comes before five, and that's like one and two. Yeah. Um. So like, yeah. I. What do we mean by that? We're being like kind of coy and silly about it. But what what I think the p- players need to accept that they are in the late game sooner than they maybe are used to. Yeah. Um, and that people in round four are setting up for a win in round five. If you are not one of those players that can win in round five, guess what? Mm-hmm. You're on the stop the other players You're team. You're in trouble. And that's, that happens yeah. now. Yeah. You are there now. You're and not, what? it's not, oh, well, let's wait till round five and see how it is. No, 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 no. The players that can count to 10 yep. and, in, in, and have all those points together, they're getting it together now. So now you have to throw a wrench in that plan right. at this point. Yes. Because if you wait till next round, what we see time and time again is that, oh, it becomes a stall fest. Yep. And what that means is whatever player got has the speaker token and got to take leadership yep. uh, is now the best setup to stall everybody else out. And then they're going to stall and you're not even going get to get to do the thing that you may, if you come up with some weird plan that involves, I don't know, like right. an illegal move. <laughs> 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 some people know what i'm talking about um you're not even gonna get to do that plan yes uh if you waited uh too late so it's important i think for players to know on round four who is in a good position and who needs to be stopped right uh and and also i think the players 
in the lead, if you're getting stopped in round four, I think that's good play. You don't need yep. to be upset about it. Right. It's like you you are being stopped because you are winning this game. Yes. Uh, right. And and I think because of all the speaker token shenanigans that have become so commonplace now of like, oh, I'm going to take control of this game by taking control of the speaker token. The only way we punish that yep. is uh, by going ahead early yep. before this becomes uh, too big Slowing of an Slowing down your momentum. Yep. I don't need to stop you scoring your 10th point. I need to stop you scoring your sixth point. Exactly. Because that's where you get your momentum. And, and so th- I want to extrapolate on that thing I was saying about round three. I'm not saying go attack everybody around three. I get that there's like, I don't need to build that I think round three is still the mid game. And so but, you don't round quite know three, the shape of everything. Round three is wrapping up the mid game. Yes. And so the point to that is, you know that people are setting up for the late game in round four, which means you need to double check where everyone's at at the end of round three or yes. even within round three and go, are they getting themselves into too solid of a position? Do I need to uh, push myself harder to make right. sure I stay caught up with them? Or more importantly, people give away a lot in round one and two. And I get it because we're all trying to get ourselves online. That needs to stop in round three. You need to quit giving away too much in round three because what you're doing is giving away the rest of people's solid position. You're giving away the completion of their engine that Mm -hmm. they will then use in round four and five. So I'm not saying you need to play against people, but you definitely don't need to play in favor of them and for them. We don't need to see all these crazy advantageous deals in round three necessarily. I'm very specifically thinking of game 33 in which some stuff was sold I don't way even know out about of turn. this. It's I don't fine. Even know about this. But speaker was sold way out of turn, and it let a player win in round four. I mean, it just completely spoilers. A- 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 spoilers. But it's it it's there is a certain thing where you need to keep your eyes out in round three because not just like for fear that someone might win in round four, but you need to accept that if you are just still playing like let's all. I think you need to stop floating all boats in round three. I think you can float all boats in round one and two because we're all trying to get there. But round three is when it's like, all right, start to kind of wrap up your stuff rather than wrapping up everybody else's stuff. I don't know. It's kind of an esoteric point. But yeah, I've just seen it a bunch of times where I feel like people are still doing crazy deals in round three and round three is taking forever because people are working out these like ridiculous non-binding deals. Mm -hmm. And it's like you're about to enter the late game. No non-binding deal makes any sense anymore. You're right. Any non-binding deal in round three is a a gloss. You you gave up something for nothing. You can't make a non-binding deal in round three because if I go into round four and I'm now doing the math to 10. Right. I and I think I'm cutting if I my break, losses. If I break this deal, yeah. I win. Then you can't even come on. You're going to be mad at me. No. I'm going to win this game off a non-binding deal. Exactly. That sounds great. I want to see that. Right. As a commentator on the side, I'm not going to be mad at the person breaking the non-binding deal. Nope. I'm going to be talking about you and how you made a non-binding deal. Why did you make too that late. deal? Yeah, yeah, why'd you make that deal in I I, I completely get what you're saying and I think all all we're trying to emphasize emphasize here is that the game is faster, but we see people still kind of thinking with the base game brain yeah, right. and thinking they're going to have all this time at the end to stop the leader, and they rarely do. Right. It comes up on you. Some If, if you're getting bad secrets, somebody's not. Yeah. <laughs> somebody's getting good secrets, and you're in trouble. And it really, the speaker order should be, I mean, I would say, like, once the round three, the, once round three politics has been played and the speaker has been given to whoever's going to have it in round four, 
I would kind of say that's when late game yeah. has either started or is beginning. Even the decision either of, started or beginning. That's just the same great. thing yeah. that I just said. E- the the assigning of speaker token in round three is the beginning of the end game. Your decision as politics, your decision mm-hmm. determines the end game. Yeah, and that's what you have to think about. Is but you have to really seriously. You're not just selling the speaker token in round three. Right. You are determining what the late game looks like. Yeah. And that's what your decision has to be based off of. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think this is uh, we're kind of in. This is sort of almost like tournament talk at this point because yeah. this is like something that we have seen so much in the prelims, um, and I think it's. Uh, it's just something that I think a lot of people are experiencing and right. it takes a little bit to shift uh, your brain. But I think overall, everyone could kind of shift it in this way. We definitely have seen a lot of wins in the the prelims that were spotted yeah. m- hours before right. where it was going to happen. And then it was just, even with all of the ridiculous heroes, win slaying is difficult if you start too late. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 can't. Your heroes are not going to save you completely. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, even like Muat and things like Nomad and L1, these like super powerful windslay e or like big pushes uh heroes are not enough. Yeah. I think that's a thing I've learned. I think there was a lot of fear initially uh that heroes were going to be just like this monumental game-breaking thing because it's like well, this is the superpower in the last round and it's like okay but what we're talking about right now is the idea that the last round isn't everything yeah <laughs> and so your hero timing has to be in conjunction with like the rest of your sort of whole late game plan it can't just be like and then i do my hero and i win that only, that's only true for like a couple factions right generally speaking and even they have to set up for it correctly right, right. Um, I'm talking Winu and Extra. Winu sure. and Extra have game-winning heroes, but it, but you can get in the way of them if you start on it early enough. Right. Yeah, and I think just the 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 mid game needs to be shorter in people's heads. People are letting the mid game go way too long, yep. and they're not starting the late game until the end. That I would say is a summation of the point there. Um, I had one minor thing I wanted to say sure. about relics. We just got so philosophical there that it feels <laughs> like weird to note this. So I'm just going to throw this in all caddy at the end. Um, I think relics are overrated yeah. in that I think that if you are playing a faction that is not going to get to draw like three or four relics, then I almost don't care yeah. anymore yeah. to buy fragments. To Because what are you sell, saying? You're saying sell fragments. Or... I'm saying whatever. I, I'm, I'm saying like it feels like a weird roulette to me yeah. where there's only uh, two it's 13 cards. Yeah. And two of them are are good. Are, are good. Yeah. And the I, rest, there's plenty that are quote unquote good. There's only two that like change your game. There's only two saying. there's only two that 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 make you m- most likely the winner. Right. So how many of those do you need to draw before you have a good chance of of getting at them? I feel like lately when I get I find myself, if I draw a relic, and it's not one of those two, and of course what I'm talking about is Shard of the Throne or uh, Obsidian. Yes. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And, and actually, I prefer the Obsidian. So yeah, exactly. I don't even love Shard of the Throne. Right, right. Shard of the Throne could come out, and then I could be like, whoops. Yeah. Well, I wasn't playing the right faction for this to come up, and yeah. now that's going to be a problem. Right. So realistically, we might only be talking about one, depending on the faction I'm playing. Those odds are not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might say, well, there's a lot of RNG in Twilight Imperium, and the those are better odds than some things of paying off. Uh, but I just think like... 
I feel like when I'm trying to buy fragments in that weird situation, I almost almost always feel like people are asking me to pay too much yeah. for the small chance that this makes me the winner, which is such a weird dynamic, uh-huh. right? Like, right. oh, I'm going to give you this fragment, and then you're maybe going to draw the obsidian right. and get an extra secret objective and maybe win the game. But I'll probably get Crown of Thalnos. Yeah, I'll probably get Crown. Oh, my God. And I had like five games in Thanos. a row where I got Crown of Thalnos. Um, and that is a... the and. Also, though, that card is not as bad. No, it's it's it is improved in my mind, but it still is like that's not what I wanted. No, though. it's it's not. It's what I do like about it though is as opposed to like let's say you draw a scepter on round five, uh, scepter is nothing, right? Yep. It's maybe going to be one CC, right? Uh, that's the and it might not even be that if you draw it at the wrong time, right? Uh, but Crown of Thalnos, at least you get to use it in combat. I actually right. feel like it's kind of come up a little bit yeah. um, in that way. We've learned that some factions actually like it quite a lot, too. Yeah. There's certain factions where it's like, oh, cool, Ooh. I lucked into it. Um, but yeah, I I think that I've been leaning more into, like, okay, relics are supposed to be better earlier, but I've almost gotten more to like, well, I'll hold on to relic fragments. There's a secret objective where I need to just, have, just be holding on to relic fragments. Yeah. So I might kind of wait until I have my secrets lined up. And I'll wait and see what other people drew. And if nobody drew good relics, then my chances have gone up. Like I would I would like to be like the fifth relic drawn. If if or sixth relic drawn. If the five relics before me were like not good, it's like, okay, I have kind of right. a stock now in in pulling this off. Otherwise, I might just try to sell off all of my relic fragments in the mid game. Oh yeah. No, that actually brings up an important point of if I'm if if we're getting into the relic game. I'm not drawing that first relic. Right. Two out of 13, not taking those odds. Right. You go ahead and do it. You might get lucky and I'll, and I'll be sad about it, Aww. but I, that, whatever. I, I would rather you take the two out of 13 than me. Yeah, I really want to play the odds on uh, relics. Uh, but yeah, I mean, also, I'm saying that they're overrated. I actually don't know if people are overrating them. Right. But I do feel like um, they're in a weird place as far as price, where I constantly feel like people are asking for too much for, like, they'll be like, this is your third relic. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. And right. I will get to draw from the deck of which there are 10 right now. Yeah. And what, I only want one of them. Right. You know? And what's funny about all of this is we say all this and then we talk about how good NRA are. And it's like, well, keep in mind. NRA, NRA gets to draw a bunch of NRA relics. gets like six relics. So it's <laughs> you're going to be fine. Like, what, well, that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. We're talking about and, and NRA even existing in the game means everybody gets more relics. So like. 10 of the relics get drawn as opposed to like five total in yeah. the whole game. Yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, yeah, you can set it aside if, uh, if NRA is in your game or you're playing NRA. Yeah. But I just think if there's no NRA around, even when I was playing as Empyrean, I kind of just felt this sense of like not really wanting to spend my resources on that roulette again. Yeah, right. Uh, because every time I just felt like the odds weren't enough to make it really worthwhile. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, what's left? What's left for this game of ours? We're, I mean, we've perfectly evaluated it. We've solved Prophecy of Kings. It's solved. We know exactly how to play it and how to win every single yeah. time. Yeah. So it's time for Dane to sign us up for another expansion. Got a, Ex- I need a new game to expansion solve. Expansion 2. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think we weren't even sure we were going to get an expansion 1. Yeah, right? we never uh, knew. We, we weren't. Well, yeah, we never knew. <laughs> I mean, who do you think the king is in the Prophecy of Kings? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's like the dumbest thing I've ever that's said. Worse. Uh, that's pretty dumb. Um, but uh, so is there going to be another one? And uh, and what will it be? Do I'm sure a lot of people are listening to be like, 
Are, are, what are we really doing are right we now? talking about <laughs> another expansion already we just got one absolutely not i'm not realistically talking about this and even still we've even i mean we have indications from dane of like i mean a goal would be that like codex content gets folded into an eventual printed release physical release is that confirmed or no it's you... but dane is, has indicated he wants that to happen sure but there we don't you know that's not up to dane yeah <laughs> basically so uh you know nobody is excited that the codex stuff is like print and play mm-hmm. it's just the only way we can get it at the moment it's the only way we're allowed to have it yeah um you can get it pretty good though you yeah, can I mean, get people, it fairly people, people good it and if you good. do card sleeves it's gonna, you're gonna be fine it's fine yeah. um but so I obviously I want to see that as much as uh, the next folks. But is there anything that's like I just feel like is lacking mechanically? No. If anything, I feel completely bloated and overwhelmed. Still, uh, it, like if I were to teach a new player mm-hmm. Twilight Imperium, I would not include Prophecy of Kings for their very first game. Oh, interesting. May, I interesting. might get more. I'm, I might get more comfortable with that later because it's like, well, it's, you're really just slapping we're gonna, on. We're, we're going to do an episode about this. I know. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. Uh, about this idea of teaching prophecy of kings but i i i do feel um it's a lot of mental weight to add leaders basically um mm-hmm. and so i obviously don't want to add any more faction unique abilities to this board game sure there's a lot yeah um but i do you know i think what everybody wants at this point is a little bit more cleaning house on, yeah on just things that aren't getting dane's favorite thing is to is to solve not like weak mechanics, but underused or non-used yeah, yeah, yeah. mechanics. He could care less if you think it's bad. Right. But if nobody's using it because it's bad, then yeah, it'll get fixed. But more importantly to that is if it's too good, Dane has routinely never cared. <laughs> it's like, right. no, it's fu- It's too good. So people are using it. So people are enjoying the thing right. that I made. Oh, darn. People oh. really like the thing that I made. Oh, oh I hate they it. Use it. Right. Oh, yeah. So that don't expect that ever to get fixed. But I, I do feel like uh, I think we all kind of would love to see just making sure the whole the whole cake's getting eaten, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know that that means another expansion, though. Right. I wonder I what know. that is. Exactly. I don't think uh, if anything, my brain more off when I'm just like kind of thinking homebrew in my own head. Mm-hmm. My brain thinks Twilight Imperium fifth edition more than I and, and, and I'm not saying anytime soon. <laughs> right. But my brain kind of dreams about fifth edition more than I dream about adding anything to fourth edition. Right. I think about how can we reinvent the wheel here more than I think like, how do I tweak this or add this or what, what else could I do with this? Like I, I feel very content with all the stuff you get out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, I think, uh, I think of Twilight Imperium, the digital board game, mm-hmm. the digital adaptation of Man. the board game should do it. Huh? Dick. I mean, should we, happen. We're like almost. There. I mean, if 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 the TTS yeah, mod, buy, I know there's, there's this thing they could buy that. They could just buy that, and it's literally like one of the better board game video games I've ever played ever. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's so well. It's an amazing game. I can't and believe so automated it, yeah. and yeah. still feels like a board game. Like yeah. it's it yeah. maintain TTS mod is ridiculous, y'all. Uh, and it's if you beautiful. haven't played it, you you absolutely should. Yeah, I uh. Yeah, and uh, thanks to everybody that has worked on that mod. Uh, yeah. We will we will never ever be able uh, to thank you enough, right? Uh, because like think about, I mean, me and Matt uh, do uh, work that where we're hoping that you know the community responds and that we we love the TI community. Um, but at the same time, me and Matt have made uh, this into 
our career, yeah. I guess. Uh-oh. Oof. Oh, no. Whoopsie. Where do we go from here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I put all my eggs in this basket. <laughs> Truly a millennial. Yeah. <laughs> just like invested all my time and energy into this thing that has questionable yeah, future. Yeah, where, where does this go? <laughs> uh, but but we we are getting, like, we, we get a thing out yes. of it. Right. Very much so. And the mod, Doesn't. of which we, the way we have treated the mod in the past is... We, we just ask for features without even knowing, <laughs> without even knowing how difficult it might be to implement those features. And all the people that have worked on the mod, they're not getting paid. Yeah. Like they're not, it's not. It's wild. They're, they're just, they're just volunteering their expertise in this stuff in order for us to have an amazing mod to play on. Yeah. And I would say fundamentally, that's way more important than we do on this show. Yeah, you know? it is. I agree completely. Um, but yeah, also like a horse faction would be really cool. They added, yeah, like, we a did. Horse yeah, I mean, there's like, there's like, uh, Daryl who has done a lot of really good work on the mod, but also me and Matt came up with a horsey faction. Mm -hmm. It's got horses in it, so it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a both sides thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like Daryl makes a mod and does all this stuff and is all smart with like programming and stuff. Yeah. But then me and you have like a horse faction yeah. that we made up, and then Wecker made all the pieces for it in the board. I mean, we didn't do actually that, did but, all of it. But but yeah. no, we did do all of it because. Yeah. We were the ones that said horse horse faction faction, yeah. And then Absol wrote all of the lore um, for the horse faction. God. But we do a lot. I mean, what we're doing <laughs> is pretty important because I don't know if you remember, but we're the ones that said horse faction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, sorry. Somebody else did. Somebody oh, else. Oh, it was submitted. Recommended yeah. horse. So somebody submitted okay. horse. They uh -oh. said it should be a horse thing, and then we said yes we like and that. to that. <laughs> so what we contributed. <laughs> Uh, was the name actually, yeah. Matt? You oh. named it, but it was a per, a oh. real person's name in a real places. Well, it's a reference name. to a real venue, and also you just stole it from that Animal Collective album that had referenced it. You're not even familiar with the venue that they were referencing, no. so you were just referencing a reference um, for that. So I guess the name doesn't really count either. Um, I want to thank all of our weird <laughs> bears. <laughs> Farganess, Squeamish, Emu, Botbot, Ponchadori, Brian, Kaluan, Johnson, Aleto, Mate Nason, Sunfax, Absol, Rwise, Broduel, Astoria, and Rumor Hippo. Uh, you do, y'all do way more than we thank you. Do. I want to thank our little peace thank turtles, Naderade, Patience of Virtue, Gaskio, Dark Jutsu, Brave Sarabon, Uncle Batty, Frank G, Carnal. My son is also named Bort, Anvilier, King Scale, sixty four, King Scale, King Scale, uh, Alice, Samley, Kraken, Goondock, and Nick. Like thank. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much to all of you who do so much. Yeah, uh, we. I mean, to be fair, we we broadcasted yeah. the idea of a horse faction, right? So we we did, do and we that. broadcast other people playing Twilight Imperium. That's true. That is like the those are the two things we contribute to this community. We do a lot. Uh, if you count us, it feels saying, doesn't it feel like so much more <laughs> than I'm now realizing any of it is. Uh oh. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about uh, Homebrewers Guild. Uh, that stream is not scheduled yet. It's going to be promissory notes plus uh, the exploration uh, theme. So submit yeah. more promissory notes. Submit more exploration cards. It'll be cards. soon because the reason it's been delayed and delayed and delayed is the tournament. But guess what? The prelims end this Sunday, June 13th at 1400 UTC on the Space Cats, Peace Turtles, Twitch. Game 36. Game 36. Of 36. Yep. Of the prelims. Yep. 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 There will be a yep. pretty decent chunk before the semis start. Looks like July 10th 
ish. Yeah. July 10th should be the beginning of the semis. Uh, so you've got like a month off. We'll be doing streams and stuff. We'll do all kinds of things. But uh, tournament will will have a, a short little break. Uh, we'll do the promissory note stream. I think we want to do some like uh, stuff with semis players. Like they're, they're going to be playing practice games and it would be fun to just stream some of their practice games. Little things like that. Yeah. Um, so plenty of tournaments still to come. But we do finally get to wrap up these prelims that have been going on since March. Uh, which is a long time, turns out. Three months. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, uh, what's interesting about that Sunday, uh, I, me and Matt will be commentating together. Yeah. Um, and then I will leave at some point <laughs> uh, to get on a plane and fly to Portland. Oh, boy. I will be uh, back in Portland uh, for a week. Uh, those of you that are uh, Portland listeners, Vancouver listeners, um, uh, hit me up. Uh, I would like to play a game. I would like to spend one yeah. day playing uh, Twilight Imperium. Uh so I'm just gonna go ahead and throw it out there. Uh, I'm definitely gonna play with uh, uh, Kaluin, hopefully. Right. Um, so let's do that. Uh, I'm just now. I'm just using the podcast time to, to, say, like, to talk to, to Kaluin, one specific person. <laughs> um, but also, um, it turns out I'm still a stand-up comedian. Uh, wasn't sure, but uh, I'm at least doing shows now. Does that make me a comedian? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I got some dates for you if you want to see me uh, do stand-up comedy while I'm in Portland. Um, on the 18th, I'm doing a show called Comedy at the Park. Uh, it's at Laurelhurst Park, uh, run by Kickstand Comedy Theater. Uh, it starts at 6, and I don't even know where it is. I just know it's in the park. It's in <laughs> Laurelhurst Park. How if you useful. go to Laurelhurst Park and you look around, you'll yeah. probably find uh, the show. I'm on the show. Great. Um, and then on the 19th, I'm doing a brunch show um, that starts at 1, and uh-oh, I don't remember where it's at. Oh, no. Well... There's there's that. <laughs> Great. Uh, also, 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 we're doing a weird thing. So this is episode 197. Yes. Episode 198 will be out later this week. Yes. And then we have two episodes until episode 200. Yes. And you're going out of town like right before episode 200 comes out. So here's what's happening, actually. Yes. We are recording episode 200 uh, this coming Saturday. Yes. We're recording, uh, and you should know this, because we're recording this episode live. Uh, we're going to do it Saturday, June 12th, at like noon Central Standard Time, yeah. which is 1700 mm -hmm. UTC. So this is going to be a weird thing that we're doing, because we want to utilize our Discord. This is like for our Discord thing. And how it's going to work is we're going to hang out with our weird bears, uh... And we're going to make them give us ideas for stuff. We'll talk to the weird bears kind of specifically about what we're doing. But, like, anybody can come hang out and listen while we kind of chit-chat. We're having, like, a shareholders meeting. Yes. With our yeah. weird with our weird bears. It's, and that's what episode 200 is going to be. Yeah, it's going to be the first SCPT shareholders meeting uh, where... Uh, myself co-ceo uh -huh. and matt also co-ceo <laughs> and then well, i guess we'll have to get our cfo billy um <laughs> as well uh to talk just a uh, non-specific q a type thing i guess this is hunter and i's way of going we couldn't come up with a better episode 200 but we know we want our weird bears to be yes a part of it. we were like episode 200 is coming up we should do something special and we wanted it to be weird bear focused yeah how to do that, and this is what we have thus far. Let Maybe them... the weird bears will come up with a better idea, right? Basically, yeah. But 
Uh, but the point here to all of this is it won't be on our Twitch. It's going to be weird because we're just doing it on our Discord because we still want you. Uh, not everybody's going to show up for the live recording. It'll be in the podcast feed, too. Yeah. But if you want to come hang out for the live recording, it's going to be on our Discord. And we're doing one of those, like, sessions. You can have, like, a thing where it's, like, we chat and you sit and you listen and then you, like, say, hey, I would I raise my hand. I would like to say something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're reserving that privilege to the weird bears. They'll be the ones that talk. But you can come and hang out and basically listen to us record a live episode. Yes. Saturday, June 12th at 1700 UTC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So come do that. That'll be fun. Yeah, um, I'm excited about that episode, too. And, and obviously, it'll be in the podcast feed as well. Right. So if you don't catch it, you will, it will be there forever yep. for you. Uh, you can rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever you listen to us. Please give us five stars because uh, we do a lot, as we've already proven. We do a lot. We repeated so. the horse idea. Yeah. We did do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and you can find more information about our Patreon and how to contribute to our show uh, and our Twitter and our Discord and our merch and everything on our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com. And now... Yes? We finish this episode... And mm-hmm. in, like, a couple days, you listen to the episode we record, like, immediately after this episode, that's, like, sort of just this, more of this exact same episode and this exact same idea. Nah, I, got, I got a lock on how we're going to Hunter, Hunter's different. got a lot of things I to say different. Out. But uh, we've got our Galactic Council episode coming up, which is, are the new factions too good? <laughs> in in that just voice, like that. exactly. Yep. Yeah. I say okay. it like that every Well, yeah, time. stay tuned for that. Uh, in the coming days, this is a weird way to. This is a weird energy that I've. That's brought fine. Upon no, the that's fine. Episode. I think it's just we we realized at the end of this episode that we are but a conduit. Yes. Uh, for the excellent Twilight Imperium community, right. and I think it's important for us to be aware of that and understand that. And I, this is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> okay. And that's I'll, true. Yeah. And yeah, there is there is no after this for me. Right. So I hope you all continue. <laughs> enjoying this show and enjoying Twilight Imperium because I'm all in. I'm all in, okay? Do you understand what I'm telling you? I am all in on this. Yeah. There is no plan B. There is no plan C. This is what I'm doing with my (laughs) life. My mom doesn't even know what it is. Yeah. Still. Oh, man. Let me tell you about family members reacting to this thing. Yeah. They're They're like- impossible. They have no idea what it is. Yeah. They- Can I be uh, frank? They They don't care to know. No. They they wish they did they wish they could know, but they will not investigate any further. Yeah, there's no use, and in they have no way to, to evaluate it. So I think the tone I would say when I talk to my parents about the show is a mixture of not curiosity but per- perplexed, and yeah. then sometimes like I see my mom kind of I think thinking in her head like should I be disappointed, and she's not <laughs> sure. She doesn't know, y'all. I'll put it I'll put it another way. Uh, sometimes uh, a, a a loved one or a parent would say. Um, so how's work going? And for for Hunter and I, it's more like, how is everything? <laughs> Are you guys still okay? Is it is everything? Is it still on rail? Like you're still doing that? Still doing that, huh? Okay, okay. okay. So it works somehow. Or yeah, it just it, and you make money from it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Hope nothing bad ever happens. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>